Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Red Army podcast in 2024 as we are back from an extended period on the sidelines. As you can imagine, it is a monster podcast after all. Trisha and I are back today and we will hopefully, not so gleefully, skip past the December from our nightmares and look ahead to D-Day showdowns with Toulon and Northampton. Patricia, you're back off the rehab list. It must be great to be back to full fitness. Yeah, I mean, if this is what full fitness feels like, God help us all. But, um, you know, like the Glasgow game was technically in December. That was the 1st of December and those were happy days. And, you know, I don't really think anything else happened in December that we need to talk about. You know, I'm I'm a big believer in onwards and upwards and only looking forward to the future and not even focusing on the past, especially when it doesn't suit my narrative to do so. Oh, bad idea. We'll only focus on the past to talk about the end of last season. I think that's... Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good little um, sideways and side point. Just only that specific point is allowed to be talked about. We do have to talk about December though, because three games, three different. Oh no, the Connacht game was in January technically, but like <laughs> New Year's Day, it could have been a Sunday, it could have been a Wednesday. I don't know. It was a day of the week. It's that. It was time of a year. Monday, and I I know it was a Monday because I was a huge enjoyer of the Monday rugby during the sort of coming out of lockdown because I thought it was really fun and you know a bit of a novelty to have rugby on a Monday and every game that they put on a Monday ended up being a sort of weird and wonderful game so I kind of thought you know starting off 2024 Monday rugby Munster against Connacht these are all good omens and And how did those omens go? (laughs) Look things are going to be fine is the upshot of the whole thing for me I think things are going to be fine things from the sort of mid-December to to New Year's Day point were not very fine but things will be fine I think we should just make rugby matches 40 minutes long that's my takeaway from the last month because Bayonne Exeter Connacht halftime leads and all them oh my god I forgot about Bayonne (laughs) you forgot about the lad who, who nearly got thrown a punch at if you're listening, I hello. Forgot, I forgot about Bayon. I was like, right, I've come to terms with the Exeter game. The Leinster game didn't upset me as much as it upset a lot of people. And like the Connacht game was sort of a product of the the sort of nuclear holocaust that's been happening in the HBC over the last month. But like I had actually forgotten about the Bayon game. Yeah, that was. Did we do an episode after that game? I don't think we did, did we? Uh, we. No. I don't think no, I we did, did anyway. We did. Um, I think I don't remember. Listen, podcasts anyway, are podcasts. It's all doom and gloom. It's hard to remember the doom and gloom. Anyway, look, Munster have not won a game since the first of December. But the thing is, that's all about to change, and I strongly believe that. It turns out we both did it actually. Um, to talk about Bayon, I think we talked about Luca Taji. I think that did I think, we actually. That's yeah. so funny because I have literally no recollection of that. It's actually kind of concerning. But um, anyway, so that means we don't even have to talk about that game. No, we can just move on Brilliant. to Exeter. And we'll only talk about the first 50 minutes. Deal? Yeah, so the first 50 minutes of the Exeter game was genuinely the most joy I felt watching Munster since the URC final. Um, yeah. I thought like, yes, here we go. So rubbing my hands together. I was like, everything is coming together, boys. Um, and like, I, I don't even really think there's anything else we need to say about it. Yeah, I mean... I felt the same. I thought it was Munster's most complete performance of the season for 50 minutes. The attack was on fire. Like, it was unbelievable. Craig Casey gets injured. 
Jeremy Barron looks like he has like do you only play a game and there's always like a stamina bar like his is flashing red at this point by the end of the game he's um, playing a thousand minutes a week every week yeah um not even his his luscious hair could could save him uh Conor Murray comes on fine and has head a very hair. fine head of hair on Jeremy Barron I don't feel yeah. like it's, it's actually said enough I don't really think there's any point in actually like going through what happened after that like everyone watched the game it was there was no point in sort of raking over a month old all-time stinker performance from like an experienced player and that's, that's what fair. it was like but like at this point who cares like it happened and I thought if you take the, the Connacht game, I think, is a separate thing, right? But if you take the Exeter game and the Leinster game, I think the Exeter game, we were like, we saw, you know, not for the whole game, obviously, and then they didn't win. But we saw that, okay, Munster are still capable of playing like that. It's not like they've completely lost whatever they had last season. Like, that's still there. And then the Leinster game had the sort of... It was decent, it was a fair. really complete defensive performance, including at the mall. Like they held Leinster up from a driving mall close to the line, and not a lot of teams do that. Certainly not teams who have had incredibly janky mall defense this season. But and and obviously you had the they didn't win that game either. You had the injuries, etc. But I think when you put them together, things are not as bleak as they look. Like there is a, I think there's a context to Munster's recent performances. Not so much the Bayonne one, but certainly after that. And I think that um, Connacht was just sort of the like perfect, like poisonous combination of all of those things, like the injuries, you know, the set piece that we saw against Connacht is hopefully not what the set piece will look like this weekend against Toulon, etc. Like it's just, Connacht was just sort of the perfect storm of bad. But I do think that there was enough. I wasn't like fuming fuming after the Leinster game I was obviously fuming because it's another St. Stephen's Day loss to Leinster and even with the injuries and the performance etc like Leinster I felt like were there in that game and that's happening a lot with these Leinster games where they are there and then they just they they know how to win those games in the regular season and yeah. they that's what they did in Thoman Park it's kind of what they're best at and you know I remember I really specifically remember because it was so early in the game saying to my dad um, because uh, we're like we have Jersey connections, and Owen Clark obviously was on the bench in that game. And I was saying, you know, the replacement hooker because he came out to warm up, and Dad didn't recognize. I said, "Who's that guy?" I said, "Oh, he used to play for Jersey Reds just before they folded." But like, you will not see him play today because the thing is, Jeremy Barron plays eighty minutes, and then like literally about eleven seconds later, Jeremy Barron went down after that scrum, and we all just went. No, <laughs> we all know who to blame now. <laughs> so I would like to hold my hands up on that one because I think it might have been my fault. But I thought Owen Clark showed up really well in that Leinster game. Actually, he was one yeah, of the sort did. of he's one of the things that I left thinking, Do you know what, fair fucks to that guy. But like, I don't even want to talk about the Connacht game. I just knew immediately that they weren't going to win. It just felt like one of those ones where you were just like, this is just not, not going well and even at halftime they were still winning like but I think the what I would have christened the second half itis that we've seen from Munster in the sort of those earlier season games you know where they were letting those big leads yeah. go against you know Leinster and Ulster and um Bayon was the name of the team and, and, Exeter, and Glasgow to a degree but they still yeah won. obviously Glasgow's the outlier because they, they didn't lose the game um I know they didn't lose against Bayon either but that sort of 
and obviously it then culminated in Exeter. That was the worst example of it. But they didn't do that against Leinster or Connacht. I think those losses had different contexts. So I feel like maybe I'm just being sort of blindly optimistic. But I, I know that the run of losses is bad and the run of performances is bad. But I think that they have to be put in context almost. Yeah. I think if you don't put them in the context of the injury situation, like it's it's doing the team a disservice almost and it's not making an excuse for the performances because they still should have won the majority of those games but it but it does it it is an explanation it's not an excuse it's but context. it is an explanation. exactly and yeah. you know we might have touch wood a vaguely positive injury update for this weekend's game and i think it'll be i think it'll tell that's what i think yeah and like the context is important as well because you look at that <clears throat> glasgow game that was a f- Close to a full strength side who went out there and got the job done. The Bayon game, they rotated, it backfired. That happens. It happens to every team in sport. Yeah. Sometimes you will just slip up when you rotate. The extra game is when the injuries started to kick in. We mentioned Jeremy Barron and his his low energy levels, for instance. After like Jeremy Barron played really well that day as well. Like the same was probably the said for like Nankavel, for instance, Calvin Nash. They had heavy workloads this season. The Leinster game. That's when the injuries kicked in. Killer, Dearmer Barron, um, Edwin Adogbo. Like three of your tight oh, five God. get injured in the first half. And Edwin Adogbo, sorry, was that, se- that was second half? He was playing yeah. so well. So, so well. Like, that was the question. Thing. I, I don't even made. want to talk about it. it. It was actually fucking harrowing to, like, to be there for. It was really, really upsetting. And, you know, I think everybody knew that it was as ba- it was as bad as it looked. Like sometimes they, they sometimes they look really really bad. Like like um, for example, like like Ollie Yeager's injury against Connacht. When when I when I saw that, I was like, oh my god, he's broken his neck. This is, it's all over. Like yeah. it's like full on like worst case scenario stuff. And then you sort of calm down a bit, and you're like, okay, he's actually grand, um, and he might play this weekend. But w- when Edwin Adogbo went down like that, he, everybody kind of knew like, yeah, this is this is not looking good. But um. Like to have that in sort of the the space of you know like four the two lost killer and Dermot Barron so early in that game, you're kind of just fucked straight away and you know oh it's just it was just bad it's just been bad it continues to be bad um and you know it, I I don't want to say it can't get worse because as soon as you say that obviously the world says yeah, yeah. you thought it couldn't get worse but it it looks like. I will say tentatively that that side of things is has reached the sort of ebb and is starting to flow again. But like, with, I guess nice Jerry's hornyism to get in there <laughs> in the middle of a podcast can never have too many of them. Um, my memory for the Connacht game, I just thought of this. Was... I don't have a blonde. I don't have a blonde woman on my arm. I can't be Jerry's hornyism. <laughs> uh, no comment. I, I like Jerry. Mike. Reaction for the Connacht game. Do you know that moment when you're listening to a game, and it doesn't happen too often because broadcast is very hit and miss. But when a commentator, when you say something, and then the commentator says the same thing, I had the mm. same reaction at the Connacht game. I was screaming at the telly at one point, like Chris, Chris Busby was the referee. You're not a coach. You're not a coach. Stop coaching everyone. It's pissing me off. You're not like seriously. There's it's ruining this game. And then Bernard Jackman comes on to RTE two days later. I was like. 
there's too much coaching in the game and I'm just there yes and that's the only <laughs> thing I'm going to talk about that game because that's all I can I'm a goal I, I hate losing to Connacht and that's my piece <laughs> we do like a sort of almost like a second Christmas day on New Year's Day we've always done it like where we'll do sort of a dinner and and everybody will come up and all um and I said to my dad I was like look Munster are playing at three o'clock if that if the time doesn't work fine I don't even really want to fucking watch the game like I know what's going to happen I'm just I'm just I'm, I'm sick of it but um he was like no that's fine we'll be finished by then so I sat down with my older brother and his girlfriend and they're not into rugby at all like they wouldn't have a clue and trying to sort of explain to normal people that I swear this team are not as bad as they look right now was one of the most demoralizing things I've ever had to go through because they were just consistently like there was obviously the weather played into it but there were so many knock-ons like Gavin Coombs was out when he scored that try like they just they were three six nine which for somebody who doesn't watch rugby is kind of like why aren't they doing anything like and it was just I was like no I, I swear to god they are they are a good team I promise and then like it was after Jack O'Donoghue got injured I was like I might actually have to remove myself from this environment because I'm going to be a really really difficult person to be around because it's not about refereeing. I'm not one of those people who does the whole like bitching about referee performances thing, like what whatever it, it happened. But I I don't like watching. I felt uncomfortable almost watching a game where it didn't feel safe. And like after seeing what happened to Ollie Yeager earlier early on in that game, and then that clear out on Jack O'Donoghue, I just felt like, what are we doing here if these players aren't being protected? And it was making me I was so like I would like actually publicly apologize to my brother and his girlfriend because I was so like just difficult to be around I'd say and I was just oh I hated it I hated every second of it even when Munster were ahead I was like I hate it I don't even care like I just don't want to watch it I want it to end I want them to call the game off like and and you know do some dog racing instead like whatever they want to do there it's none of my business, but it but it shouldn't be this game with Munster playing yeah. in it. And I hate feeling like that watching Munster. That's not, you know, even at the worst of it last season, it didn't feel that difficult. And I don't I don't want to feel like that. And it's not the players that are making us feel like that. It's just the circumstance. But like, oh, it was a really difficult one to watch. And I don't even want to think about it anymore, to be honest. No, it's a fair point. And to be fair, Interpros are always, they're always toying with that line of intensity where it can just go too far. And sometimes it's just scraps and you don't really mind that. Like a lag gets I love, pushed I love around. when there's a scrap. I love yeah. it. Like, grab his like... collar all day, but don't fucking break a guy's knee off. You know, yeah. like there's, there are a lot, and, and, and it's not even like he did it, whatever, Um, you know, the old line of like, I'm sure he didn't intend to hurt him, which I don't really know how you can clear out like that and not intend to land a shot on the guy. But, but anyway, but it's, it's the fact that the officials aren't protecting those players then that really sort of wound me up. But, um, you know, at home against Leinster and away against Connacht are probably the two sourest fixtures in Munster's calendar, I would say. like always back to back. The two most septic vibes possible are away against Connacht and at home against Leinster. So, like, they're out of the way. I think that things look sunnier from here on in, you know, like not to be all New Year, New Munster or anything, but I do think that things look like they could be better going forward. So I do think that we should look forward. To use a metaphor, like it's the place is still flooded, but it stopped raining. So it's not, you know, it's clean up operation time now at this stage. Um, the place is the rehab room. Yes, 
it's it's always the re- like where's our form it's like it's not on the floor it's on a medical table that's that's the way it is at the moment we do you know, all the, the new the new naming rights deal that's just been announced today for yes. for Mosgrave Park is to um to pay for a new rehab room like they needed that money to extend the rehab room because I don't know how like the, all of those guys physically just wouldn't even fit in there it's a small room I've, I've been in there 38 38,000 players will not fit in that one room <laughs> That's how some some Welsh fans think how many players the Irish teams have is about thirty eight thousand each. Doesn't that's that how many up, players? Just how many players Leinster have? Like, but the other provinces, you know, slightly less. We usually do impressive players for each game. Now I'm not going to do it for each game because again, too difficult. Who impressed you in December or December January or? Who, uh, yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> Who's not injured that impressed you? <laughs> The back row of, well, he, like, I know he's a second row now, but the back row of Tom Ahern, John Hodden and Gavin Coombs is possibly my favourite thing I've ever seen. I think they've all just been consistently really impressive. Like, Gavin Coombs, fucking hell. The amount of minutes and work this guy is, is being made to get through and now he's in the second row. Like, it's just super impressive. And I think that Ahern and Hodnett, like, for all of the, the, the best friendism of it all, I do think that they're a really balanced pair of flankers. I really, yeah. I love 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 the two of those the two of those guys playing together but for me like if if I was to pick a player of December it would be actually um Oliver Yeager I am obsessed with this guy now like he is the newest guy of mine I am just uh, enamored so is by that him. two or three tight head props that are your guy I think it's it's starting to become anti-competitive behavior at this stage all of them but um <laughs> I my favorite my favorite moment watching Monster in in December and like look it's it's slim pickings but um the the end of the Leinster game where Jeremy Lockman got yellow carded right and Leinster were um Leinster took the scrum because they were like oh the scrum will be uncontested they were looking for that try at the end of the game basically um they took the scrum because you know Dave Kilcoyne had gone off injured Jeremy Lockman was yellow carded they were like, oh, it'll be uncontested. You know, we'll get the ball out. We'll we'll have, you know, six on however many, you know, like they'll have the, the advantage of the players and Munster's forwards will be tied up in the scrum and they'll score a try and they'll they'll win the game. There won't be like a losing bonus point for Munster, whatever it was. But um, Oliver Yeager got up off the bench to come back on and we could see him from like, obviously where we were stood in the East Terrace talking to the, like the guy with the clipboard. And he was like, no, I'll just play loose head. Like I can push. It's fine. And he was like, no, no, like, cause you, you, like you, you just have to stand in the scrum because we just need three guys in the front row. But like the scrum will be uncontested. He was like, no, no, I'm telling you, I can push. And now look, he got reamed at that scrum. Doesn't really matter though. It's the fact that he ran back on just after coming off and was like, I will push on the loose head side. Leinster will not have this uncontested scrum. The crowd went wild. Like it was arguably the best moment of the season so far for Munster, but it was really really fun and I think that you know it was sickening to see him get injured like that against Connacht thankfully it doesn't look like it was as bad as it looked on the day but um, I'm a big fan of this guy and I'm really looking forward to him playing a thousand games for Munster I mean he's definitely in the mould of he looks tired when he comes on and he looks less tired when he comes off the field somehow so playing a thousand games if you're playing and your stamina is like Benjamin Button it actually might be possible, to be honest. And to be fair, I, he's scrummaged fantastically. I love a good, just nut and, nuts and bolts scrummager. We don't have too many of them in Ireland. Uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But I thought he did really, really well. Um, I against... think the 
the combo of obviously Salanoa is still injured and we, we're not sure for how long. I, I think that like obviously Jaeger and Salanoa would be an amazing combo. But I think that the combo of Oli Jaeger and John Ryan, like if nothing else, just unbelievable solidity at the scrum from those two guys. Like your quality of scrummaging is not going to dip at all during the match with those two guys. Like I, I am a huge John Ryan apologist, but like I, I think that the combo of you know those two just being excellent scrummaging tight heads and then obviously have you have the little bit of hands thrown in there like I love that as a as a one-two whatever way around you want to put them whether you want to start with the sort of the bigger power player in Jaeger or like bring him off the bench I like that as a balance and I'd love to see that obviously we ended up seeing you know 78 odd whatever minutes of John Ryan against Connacht like ideally you wouldn't do it that way around but um I'm really looking forward to seeing the two of those sort of go together for a little while anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who else. I thought Casey and Crowley had two good games, Exeter and Answer. They didn't play the Connacht game. Um, I thought yeah. they played well there. Craig probably shouldn't have made that tackle on Larmer, to be fair. But, you know, that was a game full of instance as well. Um, but I thought Jack, I genuinely think Jack's performance against Exeter was his best in a Munster shirt. He was mm-hmm. phenomenal. And like, this is a man who's, who I, I'm writing about it for my own stuff this week. Like his season last year was literally legendary. Like we've never seen anything like it. And then he goes out like that extra performance was so, so good. And I know it dried up and I know the backline struggled to get moving late on and fatigue kicked in and, and things like that. But listen, Craig and Jack are going to be there for a long, long time until the Tony Butler era starts um, because he'll get man the match against the Scarlet so we'll have to tweet this apprenticeship is over and <laughs> when that happens we're moving Jack to 12 and no who cares you Tony know. Butler big summer in green I can't uh-huh. see it. That's it to be fair like we, di- we didn't specify which green he could end up switching the lead since start playing hurling or football for Limerick I yeah. actually thought that Tony Butler was really impressive against Connacht like there wasn't a lot impressive about that game but I think that for really impressive might be a stretch, but I think for a guy who's as young and inexperienced as he is, I think his recent showings, all of them have been sort of where you'd want them to be, if not even slightly ahead of schedule. Like I think that he looks assured for a guy who is as inexperienced as young as he is. Like I think that he there's a huge amount of promise there. I'm looking forward to seeing him maybe get a chance with like less of a crisis happening around him. Um, I think that there's there's a player there for sure. Yeah. And there's always something, and I don't care which province it is. I always love when like a substitute from the under twenties team kicks on before guys who started ahead of him. And granted, Charlie Tector has been injured. There's like seven out halves in Leinster, but like to see Tony taking his chance, it's really cool because everyone progresses at different levels as we know. And like, that's always a sign that like, well, this kid, obviously, you know, he didn't take the under-20s as being the be-all and end-all of his career, which which some lads do. And he's yeah. kicked on, and he's looked really good. And I thought like, that 50-22 was fantastic. He looked in the second half like a kid playing his first, you know, big game. That's going to happen. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's 100%. Than and you can't, there's no way of, like, there's no way of sort of, I guess, getting that experience without getting it. Like, you have to look yeah. like a kid playing your first big game in order to not look like a kid the next time. And I think that he has confidence. And I think that that's a huge thing. Like you can't 
you can't manufacture that like he can learn to sort of he can learn what to do in big games and he can learn sort of how to impact the game like as he grows older but he can't learn that kind of confidence like we've sort of seen that with Joey Carver in the past like he can't learn that part of your game and for him to have that like you know with things like that 50-22 I, I yeah I think it's hugely promising and I think that like the the sort of contributions he's had over the last month or so will stand to him in a huge way and like two or three years ago Ben Healy and Jack Crowley were playing against each other in AIL like they, they literally started against each other about half in AIL and that certainly helps your development and just as you say just get minutes get minutes yeah. controlling the game and it'll all it'll all seep in from there is there any other outside bets for for players I'm trying to think off the top of my head I can't think of anyone in particular of, of course like Tygburn did Tygburn things in, in a few games and Edwin Adogbo did Edwin Adogbo things like... I thought Simon Zebo was quite good against Leinster Se- Seed was very good actually that, that one would have slipped past me I, thought, I think Shane Daly's played quietly really well at the moment and no one's really yeah. talking about it but Seebs is I mean just by virtue of existing he's going to have people talking about him I think he he played well I like look I, I don't care to talk about you know Simon Zebo man but like if we're talking about Simon Zebo rugby player I love that he just annoys all the right people for all the yeah. wrong reasons and like for however long he can continue to do that you know more power to him and like I can't help but love the sort of personality that he hit that he is while he's on the pitch I love the sort of playing with the crowd while the game is ongoing like I don't think there's enough of that and there are a few players who can sort of carry that kind of thing off and I think Simon Z was really one of them so it's kind of a joy to watch that sort of thing but I do think that he's been you know I think he played well like it's it, it I don't know why I'm laughing like it, it kind of just seems funny almost to say that but I do think that he he has been playing well and I'm and I'm happy that he's there like I don't I don't I shudder to think of what we what we'd be sort of talking about I suppose if um if he wasn't there like a hugely you know hugely experienced like kind of what a, a safety blanket almost to have when we've ended up in the situation that we're in absolutely and like as you said, like there's the personality does all that, but like he is 33 years of age or whatever, and he's just experienced and he doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes and he still has that bit of spark. He's not as quick as he was, don't get me wrong, but like he's got a cannon of a boot, defended quite well in, in both the games he played. I thought he, I thought he did well, to be honest. Yeah, um, and sure. that's all that's all you can ask for, really. If people want to go make a cup of tea now, because I'm going to read the 17-page injury report... Now's your chance. I'm just giving you a chance first of all before I start into it. Injured colon monster. <laughs> Minus seven. That's you know, about seven players fit. I think we've I think we have a twenty-three for this week, but it might include Mike Prendergast as scrum half and Graham Roundtree at prop. I guess we'll see. So the thing is, are there any set of of coaches in the in the world who look more like they could all still do a job than the monster coaches? Like Leams in particular. Honestly, like, you could drop Dennis Levy in this minute and he would not look out of place like playing at no. number eight this weekend. It's it's insane. The the fucking sorry, he is just so built. Like oh, it is kind of madness. And you're kind of like, you've been retired for ages. Like you can let yourself go. It's it's fine. And <laughs> and just the refusal to to sort of cave is just 
unreal. I'd almost, I'd almost like to see it. I'd love to see him do a training session with the. With yeah, the I know he's not Munster's coach anymore, but Jerry Flannery's in the same bracket. And oh then Jerry God, Flannery goes on telly and he wears tight polo shirts that makes you realize, geez, Jerry Flannery has massive arms still. As he yeah. should. As yeah. he should. One I mean, time we he... were sat next to him in, uh, in Cockball and Limerick and Jesus sure the fucking biceps were nearly in my burger. I was like, just <laughs> leave us alone. Like... I mean, who's complaining? Not me. <laughs> um, right, injuries. I'm I'm doing this in random-ish order. So Dave Kukoyan has undergone surgery on a shoulder injury picked up against Leinster. You'll hear those words a fair bit. I will be out for at least six months. We hope that's not the last we've seen of Dave Kukoyan. I was going to say, shirt. do you think that that's that that's the end I, it, I think it, it is like it might be it's been rumored for a while I think it's been rumored for a while because Killer just has a you know he could be living in Ballinanti doing you know being a mechanic and he'd still look and act the same way because he's you know that's the way he is but mm. I do think it is unfortunately and he's been an unbelievable servant um to the club if it is I hope not but fairy tales we've had one fairy tale in the last 15 years let's not pretend that we've had like Loads of players riding off into the sunset. It's been early, and that's it. Yeah, the you know, not everybody, one. not everybody can have a sort of a run like Stephen Archer had last season. Like sometimes, sometimes when it looks like the end, it is the end. Obviously, yeah. we hope that that's not the case. Um, for for no other reason really than it's it's horrible to see players not go out on their own terms. But you know, especially servants like that, lads who have just every time every big game monster played in the last. 10 years Dave Kukoyan's been there well yeah like Andrew Conway like you want players whatever it looks like you you want players to have their their goodbye and at least know that that's going to be their goodbye on the pitch and um, you know it, it is a shame when players don't get that but anyway Absolutely. continue continue because we're going to hear a while <laughs> Dear McBaron picked up a foot injury in that game against Leinster he has had surgery just the other day but his return date is unknown thankfully his hair remains Flawless, as as we mentioned before. Think positive, think positive, think positive. Edwin Adogbo picked up an Achilles injury against Leinster and has been ruled out for the remainder of the season. That was very unfortunate. Brutal. Like a non-contact injury. I mean... Absolutely and, brutal. There's nothing to say about it. Like, just fucking yeah. devastating. Yeah. World Cup winner Jean Klein has undergone surgery and ongoing knee issue. And he will not return to play the season. He had been sidelined with an eye problem. It didn't look like he was going to be back anytime soon. I had heard at the very best at this stage, it was going to be like March or April. So what maybe the just... fuck happened to John Clayne's eye? That's what I would like to know. Yeah, but... I assume it's it's floaters or things like that that are just annoying and hard to deal with as opposed to not being able to see. One of nobody those things has seen him, like... so... <laughs> One of those things where, like, you know, you can't get your blood pressure up or whatever, those kinds of nerve injuries. And, like, obviously, it's not something to be messed with. And, like, while it was going to keep him out, there's no point in him sort of getting back to playing level and then, you know, getting a knee injury at some stage because he didn't get this operation now. Like, when you have those sort of longer-term injuries anyway, it makes sense. Players do it all the time, getting those sort of clean-up operations when they have the time to rehab from them. And, like, ultimately, you know... Obviously, I would like to see Jean Klein on the pitch all the time, as you know, as as we all would. But ultimately, like, it's good that players, in unfortunate circumstances, I suppose, but it's good that a player like Jean Klein can have the time to like properly rehab 
because the amount of work this guy has gone through, you know, in the start in the last sort of two seasons, like get himself back, as you said earlier, get his stamina bar back up to full and be ready to go next season. Like, yeah, it's one of those like it's it's brutal timing, I suppose. But like he was in the rehab room anyway, may as well make use of the facilities. It's true. And like he will have played games that weren't as physical as some of those South African training sessions last year. It's a, and yeah. going, you know, back to South Africa and training. They were training in Pretoria for the first few weeks to get their fitness up. Like, I'm sorry, like Razzie and Shaq, that's cruel. At the end of the season, going up to Pretoria to train, it's, I, I know that's how they do things, but that's, that's just mean. I'd actually love, and I've said this in the podcast before, I'd love if Munster brought him out at halftime in one of the games, maybe Northampton because they're expecting a good crowd because he won a World Cup. And he hasn't been mm. honoured for it. And I do think it's something that should be done. I know there's like, well, you know, they played Ireland and Ireland didn't. It's like, yeah, but like, he is, is a fuck. He is more Limerick than half the Limerick lads at this stage. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's he's been there longer than most people. I'd, I'd love to see it happen. Orgis Neyman also won a URC and rubbed the work The difference last is he, he, he's a filthy fucking turncoat, so there'll be, no, mean, there'll be no clapping him on the pitch at all far. That's, that's probably the reason why they mightn't do it, to be <laughs> honest. He completed a move to Leinster uh, that will begin at the end of the season. He is continuing his rehab and he's expected back around March time. And yeah, the, the move to and Leinster. And he will play every fucking minute between March <sighs> and the end of the season. I mean, that's, that's what's the been Leinster said as well. The Leinster thing's been done. Who cares? I don't him. have it noted, but Joey Carberry has announced he is leaving Munster after was it six years, I believe. And Which I still is mad. I still can't get over the, the Gloucester game. Everyone's talking. It's like that was the day you were like, okay, we've got a new a new 10. And he was unbelievable. Like he was so good, even BT couldn't fault him for hammering an English team. The you way know? that he the way that he played that day. On his own, but the way that he linked with Andrew Conway, yeah, like I will a few literally, times, re- like I will literally remember it for the rest of my life. And that sounds like an exaggeration, but it isn't. Like that is a game that I think about often. Um, and like you know, if we'd had that player for the last six years, God, who knows? Who knows yeah. what could have happened for Munster in Ireland? It, it is one of the most like sort of what could have been situations that I think you'd ever find, and like. Obviously, it didn't turn out that way. And it's one of those where I think it's probably the best thing for club and player for him to move on at this stage. And you just, wherever he, wherever he lands, I hope he lands on his feet. And like, whoever gets him, I think will get a serious player. Like, the, we all know what Joey Carberry can be. And you want him to be that for whoever his next club ends up being. Like, he's still so young and there's so much rugby left in him. You want him to get the best of his rugby, like... Absolutely. Um, Jack O'Donoghue next, he, well, his knee, I'm reading this verbatim, so his need for surgery and a knee injury will be determined following a surgical consultation this week. That has got to do with a nasty knee injury he picked up against Connacht for the biggest, he said, she said, of clear outs <laughs> ever. Like, you can't land on someone's limbs, but what is defined as a limb is one of the things I heard. It's like, well, I mean, come on, like... You know, it, it was An nasty. Absolute cunt trick of a clear out. There's no other way of, of I don't, looking at I it. I don't like them. I had a friend of mine oh, neutral to the stuff. game and he was like, 
how any and he was talking about his own fan base. He's a Leinster fan. He's like, how Leinster fans can condone this, I don't know. When we're still giving out the Dan Levy had to retire from a similar clear out. And I'm like, it's a it's a fair point. Like you can't head injuries are very important and need to be clamped out. But we can't just forget about like knee injuries and things like that as well. Like you I mean, like- especially when you look at a player like Jack O'Donoghue, who like, you know, they made nearly a fucking documentary about the his comeback from that horror leg break in the past. Like to see yeah. a player like that go down with a sort of similar-ish looking injury is horrific. You just and it's the fact that it's so preventable because just just fucking penalize it and players will stop doing it. If it if it becomes not worth doing players will stop doing it and it and is And I think that's the jackal right there. The jackal yeah. could probably become a thing that just doesn't need to be done anymore. Every and time it, it does... happens it is the most horrifying thing you can see on a rugby pitch like it is yeah. to see guys legs just move in ways that legs shouldn't move. Um obviously the Dan Levy one like the most egregious example, you know, but that jackal who one was not far off that level, really horrible. And like, you'd obviously just hope that, you'd nearly hope beyond hope that it's not, in any way, not as bad as it looked because it looked sort of as bad as it could be. So like anything less than that, you're sort of nearly taken as a win. That's the thing. Um, Final bit of doom and gloom before I move on to a positive. So Jack Daly, Dean Coombs, Orcus Neyman and Roman Salinor remain on the long-term absentee list. But... Keith Hurley is returning to training after a long-term layoff. We wish him the best and hopefully he comes back flying. And this is a sentence we've said so much and just gets longer and longer every week. The availability of Ollie Yeager, Fiddy Mitchley, Alex Nankivell, Niall Scanlon, Peter O'Mahony, Joey Carberry, Mike Haley and Patrick Campbell will be determined later in the week ahead of the clash with Toulon. But most of them did train this week. And I include Mike Haley in that list because he has been training for a few weeks. And I feel like we're just going to announce him in some like big PR reveal. He's going to walk out while your man is doing the Pilu Pilu in um in Toulon and he's just going to be there and we're all going to celebrate because it's it's Mike Haley. So yeah, and Owen Clark has completed his return to play protocols and is available for the weekend. So Niall finally, Scandal, war news. is over. Niall Scannell, I have grown quite fond of you. There are no sexual urges. You come to me as an old friend who I used to pick apples with in Papa's Orchard. Like, I have missed this guy so much. I'm a big fan of Niall Scannell, right? And I know that you can sort of talk about the 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 tap penalties. And look, I hate the tap penalties as much as everyone else. But he'll carry, he'll hit rocks, he'll hit the fucking right guy in the line out. Like, what more do you actually want at this point? What is that sorcery? Hitting the guy in the line out, <laughs> that is... It's, it's scandalous. Like, look, we're not, I'm not legislating the fucking Munster line out again. I haven't got the energy, but I find it remarkable that there is a six foot nine guy in that line out and they won't just throw it to him at two. Like, it is insane. Just uh, make it uh, easy for poor Scott Buckley and throw it to the guy who is literally so much taller than everyone else. But anyway, Niall Scannell, please, please, please be ready to play in this game. <laughs> like, obviously, availability be availability to be determined later in the week means that you know zero of these guys could play or all of these guys could play I it's think usually that, somewhere in between i was gonna say i think the the the, the most likely scenario is at, no half of them half of them would be great imagine having some rugby players to play in your game that would who, be amazing. who do you think it would be so ollie yeager yeah 
Um, if, well, like obviously, Ollie, training. it just it just if he's training, then you would assume yes, because like obviously, it depend it would depend on the return to play protocols. I would like I would like to I would almost like to see him not play just yeah. because of the type of injury that it was. But obviously, if they've said he's good to go, then he is good to go. I think that Niall Scannell will play. I think that O'Mahony will play in some capacity. Um, and I think that Alex Nankavell will likely play as well. Joey um, Carberry? Is Joey back? It looks like it looks like Joey's back. And I don't know what that means um, in terms of, you know, what jersey number he'll be in, I suppose. But... Um, I think that yeah, look, that's one of those. Like, if he's if he's good to go, he's good to go. I think that 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 they would they would probably be the ones that we'd see. And look, like if they all play, you know, alongside the rest of the you know the rest of the the sixteen monster players who are fit and available, um, there's there's a good team there. Like, there's a team capable of you know we've seen so many times in the past monster with their backs against the wall go away to a team that they shouldn't have any right to win at and win there, like take a result, do a job. And I feel like this team could do it as well. Hopefully. The challenge now is Toulon. It will be Northampton in two weeks' time. It is Toulon in round three in the Stad Felix Bayall. That is Saturday afternoon, 3.15 on TNT Sport 3, just so people know. TNT Sport 3 will be showing all of the four Irish provinces. You will not have to leave the seat on the couch from one o'clock to ten o'clock, it's going to be absolutely magnificent. Are they um, all playing back to back on Saturday? Yeah, back to oh, back. Oh, that's to back really to back. fun. That now, is really fun. The Leinster game is also on RT. So, do you want RT or do you want Break T? I mean, everyone can make their own decision there, but I'm not here to sell the Leinster game to you. I'm here to sell the Monster game. I guess. Would you like to? Would you like to put your hand in the air for? Or would you like to get stabbed in the leg? <laughs> like you just you pick your poison, I suppose. I mean. I don't know if my hand would fit in our air fryer, so maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's a fair start. Um, Toulon, they're fifth in the top 14. I don't know if you knew that. They're fifth in the top 14. This is great research. They're unbeaten <laughs> at home in the league since May, um, but they are all from two in Europe, including a home defeat to Exeter. If now, only Munster had some sort of recent form in going away to teams who had really good home records. Yeah, but again, that was last May. That's the issue. <laughs> <laughs> I will say they do have their own injuries. They're without Baptiste Saran and Charles Olivon, the two French internationals, two very important players. Both, I'm pretty sure Saran is captain them and Olivon is their captain. So very mm. important. But they do have Dan Bigger, Lester Fying Anuku, their new signing, Melvin Jaminet, their other new signing, and Facundo Isa, who was there when Munster beat them in 2018 in Thoman Park to name but a few it's definitely a scary Toulon side and they always have one or two like Georgians or Fijians in the pack that you'll just stand up and realise why don't I know this guy I should know this guy and it's the sad Felix Mayall and it's a scary place to go but here is Patricia to tell us why we're going to win (laughs) oh I like that the problem is is that is actually what I'm gonna do, but like I feel like it's becoming really? a joke when I don't mean it as a joke. Like if you'd have asked me, you know, if we'd have done uh podcasts in between like the Leinster and Connacht game, I probably would have said like I think Connacht are going to win because I didn't think Munster were gonna win that game. Um like it, it got to me in December. I didn't think Munster were gonna win those games. I thought that they would win the extra game, but you know. To be fair, I was right for three quarters of that game. So, yeah. anyway, I mean, it's still an, it's still like a B plus. You know? I think I don't 
think the Munster winning this game is like the likely result, right? I'm not I'm not that stupid. Like I don't think that Munster have any real right to go over to Talon and just win. But I also think that like there has to be the boost has to come at some point. Like that moment has to come at some point. And I did think it like part of me thought it would be the Connacht game like it was last year, you know, like New Year's Day in a way into pro like backs against the wall you get your result. I don't think that Munster will want to go into the Challenge Cup. I think that yep. Munster in the Challenge Cup just doesn't even sound right. Like th- those are words that don't make sense in the same sentence. And I think that Munster are a team who just end up getting what they need from the European pool stages. And so whether that means they win this game or they come away with a losing bonus point and they give themselves that fighting chance against Northampton, I don't know. Like, I find it difficult to say I don't think Munster will win this game because I think they'll yeah. win every game, no matter how unlikely it is. And, like, that went very well last season. So, it, like... It went very well, apart from when it didn't go well, but it did go very well at the end when there was, like, money where your mouth is. It's not about, like, blindly back like backing them. Like, obviously, I think that they can win against every team they play against because I know that they are good enough to do that. And I think that with this boost of players coming back in... Like it seems to be setting itself up for like a big monster performance, but like we've been burned before. I really don't know. Like I really am torn. I guess it is sort of head and heart, but then my heart just says monster all the time, but my head is kind of telling me both things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I get you. I'm I'm usually more negative, not that I'm a negative person but because I don't tip Munster to win every game and by virtue I look a tiny bit more negative I do think though there's a performance in this team my only issue is I feel like we've put ourselves under pressure in Europe the last two years and I think it's now going to be next year before that's not the case like even if Munster get out of the group they're probably going to be playing like you know maybe not La Rochelle but like they could end up playing Leinster or Toulon or Rassing away yeah, like or, I think that, you know, Munster gave Sa- themselves that Bordeaux. sort of like I don't Munster want gave themselves that sort of quote unquote easy draw in Europe this year by virtue of yeah. winning the URC. And I kind of thought like, oh my god, maybe it's finally time. Like it's finally two thousand and eight again. But um like it looks like that's not gonna be the case this season. But I do still find I find it very, very difficult to not see Munster in those knockout stages, like whatever whoever they end up playing like obviously they'll be on the lower end of it but um I I I find it very hard and I guess that's because like it's not really something we've ever seen before it's not you know we're not used to Munster not being in the knockout stages so it's not sort of cuckoo delulu to say that they will be there because that's sort of where they end up being um but, I, but like I say, I don't know if that means, you know, they get their losing bonus point this weekend and they end up with a, just a fighting chance of that next week. And like, I would always back them in that kind of situation, you know, yeah. like uh, those the are the games. Those are the games that Munster win. But is this the game? Do they do it this weekend? That's the question. Yeah. And I that's... don't know the answer to that question. I don't even know what I think the answer to that question is. No, that's that's kind of what I was thinking as well, because I think for Munster not to get out of the pool, it means realistically either they're going to get savagely unlucky which will be their own undoing by finishing like fifth even with a win but I think realistically it's going to come down to if they beat Northampton they'll probably get out of the pool 
especially mm. when they have a draw in the back pocket. It's not like they've lost two games that have zero points. They do have a draw. They do have a tiny, tiny buffer. They have three points, actually, because they scored four tries in Exeter. Um, so, like, the Northampton game is must win. So, as you said earlier, if they get a point out of this game, I think it changes things. I think there's a good chance. Now, this is me being a great podcast host, and I'm typing as I talk because I don't know the pool off the top of my head. But, like, Munster currently on three points, the same as Bayonne. Are Bayonne going to beat Northampton away from home? No. And then they're probably going to be out of it at that stage. They might. Like, Bayonne, are, Bayonne really but showed up in that Glasgow game. But, but to be fair to Bayonne, right, they drew against Munster in the home park, and then they only lost by one point at home against Glasgow. It's not like they ha- they've yeah. just, you know, shown up and gotten one freak result. Like, they did it twice, and I feel like... I am not going to say anything about what I think Bayonne are going to do because I did that before and it made me look a fucking fool. They made a jabroni out of me and I will not do it again. You always need to delete that... that podcast from the stream <laughs> and then no one will ever know. I don't remember ever saying it, so it's fine. Um, I think that Munster will win this game really, really, really narrowly by like one or two points. Ah, as if we don't win games narrowly anyways. <laughs> but yeah, no, looking at it here, like if we can get a point out of this, we're on four points. You'd probably be looking at Toulon on six, Bayonne on four maximum, and hopefully Exeter beat Glasgow, and then Glasgow are kind of on the same amount of points as us, and then we've the home game going into and the then, final yeah. weekend. Look, that's kind of Munster, the hope. Munster are not going to need to worry about that because they're just going to win this game by one or two points. Okay. Um, have you anything more outlandish? Are you going to say that like Stephen Archer is going to get man the match or? <laughs> I'm not, Look, I know it's I'm not, not completely I'm beyond not the predicting, realms. But... I'm not predicting who's going to play. I'm just predicting <laughs> what's going to happen. Um, I I just, I, like, I think that you understand that like you feel like that performance is there, like it's ready oh, to go. Nice. It's just when it comes. Like it's whether it comes in this game or the Northampton game, because I do think that it will be one of the two. And then obviously you're into the Crusaders game after that. Like I just think that, yeah, I just, I think that they're ready to give us that performance. It feels like it's coming. Like like I said, Exeter and Leinster, a lot of things went right in those games for all that went wrong. Um, and I think that like, you know, we all know that they're able to put that together. And the sort of influx of players, if some of those players return, like obviously none of those players might play, but the influx of players would give you huge confidence that you know the things that looked really really bad against Connacht like the sort of the fatigue and the line out I suppose being the main two like if those get even 50% better again I think that they're they're a winning team well like the line out was like less than 50% so even if it gets 50% better you're looking at 70 and I'm not like trying to nitpick on a point but literally that's all it takes just a tiny bit more you know, one or two extra lineouts hitting and things like that. I actually they're think, close. They're close. Yeah. And they've been so unlucky in all of those games. Like, and I'm not saying that they deserved to win all of those games. I don't think that they did, but they have been unlucky. And like for any other team, you know, in any other circumstance, one or two of those like five games might have gone their way. And then things look a lot better. It doesn't look as bad. Like I say, like the optics are bad, but when you look at the games themselves and you look at the context, like I don't think that things are as bad as as they maybe look. And I think that I know that that win is there. And I I feel like this is a big opportunity for them to get that win out there, you know, away from home. And then you come back to Thoman Park 
after getting the win and it, it sort of it goes from there you know like that that, that top field. spot is up like, up for grabs you could be playing northampton for top two spot which would be a home round of 16 which is hilarious considering they drew at home against Bayon. but anyway yeah um yeah i'm gonna like look i'm gonna back monster and i think that you know i say that i'd like i know i say that all the time but i i yeah i feel it in my bones I'm going to lean towards Toulon and you can boo. boo yeah, there we go. I was say, you can boo his whatever you like, but I'm going to lean towards Toulon. But I do think, and maybe this is just because no one likes spending money in January and I've spent money in January to go down to the Northampton game and planned it all out. But I do think that game is going to be feral. I think there's going to be such a desire to win. No matter what happens this weekend, Munster have to win that game. And they don't lose in Thoman Park. They don't, like, oh, it's going to sound so arrogant. We don't lose Northampton in Thoman Park. Like, you know what I mean? Northampton. And, like, that's what kind of develops. Regardless of what happens this weekend, have to win against Northampton. Well, you have to show a performance this weekend. I do think we'll get I think if... I think the minimum is a lose. Like, obviously, the well, like, the minimum for sort of keeping the competition alive is a losing bonus point anyway. And I do think that they will at least get that I don't think it would be a blowout either way but I could see them just getting across the line like I I do I do really feel that way and I think that you know it's been a a barren month um and I think that you know things have to start growing eventually like why not now fuck it who cares yeah why not now that's that's the thing I do I do agree with that I do go along I think as well depending on how the team is compromised or not compromised whatever the word is comprised thank you i always stumble on that one um it could change things as well because like okay luckman starts if he's fit if nile scandal starts or even if nile scandal just makes the 23 you have a little bit more confidence in the line out if all the jaeger starts you're gonna have a little bit more confidence at a tight head prop not necessarily on ryan or archer and slide at them they just haven't been scrummaging at their level so far Tigburn has still done Tigburn things for most of the season. Peter O'Mahony back if from Gavin injury. Coombs, if Gavin Coombs gets to play number eight, imagine. What a world. No, you I know? Imagine. Like if, if Fanine Witchley is good to go, I would like to see him start. Like yeah, just so I'd that you can him. have that Ahern Hodnett Coombs back row and maybe then put O'Mahony on the bench. Um yeah. I think that that would be I think he'd be happy enough to see that and then O'Mahony and Scaddle on the bench just to catch every line out. And it doesn't matter if they land on the roof in the Stad Vellum Drum in Marseille. Peter O'Mahony's still going to come down with it. That's kind yeah. of like your comfort blanket situation. It's yeah, like to, to sort, of, to sort yeah. of know that you have like an incredibly solid throwing hooker and the literal best line out forward in the world on the bench. Like I think that that's a huge sort of comfort for Munster to have. A lot and of people then you have... disagree. But I, I, I think really it's care. true but yeah. I don't really care what those people say like they are just actually objectively wrong but um, like Nankabel then back with Frisch of course yeah it'd be interesting to see if Carberry if Carberry plays what they do with him there's like whispers of Carberry starting at fullback um, imagine imagine the week that he announces he's leaving he starts at fullback <laughs> imagine if he got man the match from fullback on the week and announces he's you off. know what I would I would love to see it I'd love to see him have a sort of Malachi Fekatoa-esque end to oh, yeah. his season and he could um, and he absolutely could. He's absolutely that caliber of player. And I would just love to see it for him more than anything. Like, I think that from a Munster point of view, you sort of accept that 
what could have been isn't what we had and you cut your losses and you wish them all the best. But like you'd like we did with Malachi Fekatoa, I suppose, but you'd love to you'd love to see it end that way, like that sort of fairy tale ending. Whether it ends in silverware or not, like just for the player himself, like to have that yeah. sort of contribution to the season. But um yeah, like if he starts a fullback, very interesting. Like is do we does Zebo play? Does yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of in the air. I'd like to see. I I feel like I personally would like to see Carberry as that twenty three, because I think like having a player like Carberry who can cover the back line, yeah, you know, true. like and you can put Crowley at twelve if you need to, and you can put Carberry at fullback. Like you can move Zebo to the wing. Like just having Fish options to ten. Fuck it, why not? Let's do it. <laughs> Having options for, you know, put Maria 10 can't be worse than he was at scrum half against Exeter. But, you know, like having options for like what you can do with your yeah. back line is, is a pretty foreign concept to Munster lately. And I think that, yeah, I, I, I so strongly feel it. Sometimes I say Munster are going to win and I kind of know that they aren't, right? Like the, the away game against Leinster, I sort of knew that Munster weren't going to win that game, even though they really nearly did. I knew they'd show up, but I kind of knew they wouldn't win. This one, I really, really do feel very strongly, like on a sort of cosmic level, that they are going to win. It feels like, and look, you sound sort of stereotypical and stupid, but it feels like a sort of Munster in Europe game. It feels like one of those. And I know that they usually come in the sort of knockout stages, but it's sort of that sort of backs against the wall. They need to win. You know, winning is the only option. I really do feel like they'll do it. I'll I'll save your bacon here because I last said the monster in Europe thing before the Sharks game last year. So yeah, if there's well. ever a backfiring <laughs> of saying it, it was then. Like I tipped us to win that game. Now I was right about that we would get a result in Durban at the end of the season. I specifically wrote that. But I just got the game wrong and the winning team wrong by I watched that game. The um not the Europe one, the one the good one. Um, in the car driving home from Musgrave Park and but like I didn't watch it, it was on on your CTV and my phone was like down at the side and yeah. like I had to playing out speakers in the car. And like the world feed was really good, right? But it's one of those things where like they, they're doing TV commentary, they're not doing radio commentary. So I didn't yeah. really know what was <laughs> happening because obviously they expect that you can see it. And then I got home and I watched, you know that try where Ben Healy did that crossfield kick to Calvin Nash. Yes, that caused a lot of controversy. I got home and I watched that try, like finally with my eyes, and I was like, "This is way different to what I thought happened. This looks nothing <laughs> like the try I imagined in my head." But like, you know, I th- I think that it will be it'll be a performance, and I think oh, I just really feel like they're gonna win. That's the thing. I just really feel like they're gonna win. There's no point in me pretending that I don't feel like that because that is how I feel. Do you think they're gonna win their last two games in Europe and come what second or third in the pool? I think that they'll get to the round of 16. Okay. Okay. Whatever Fair. that means. Whatever that means. Because like, you, do, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and predict, like I hate doing that whole, I think this team will beat this team and then this team will lose to this team and then this, these two teams will draw. Like, I think that Munster will get to the round of 16 and I think that they will win this weekend. That's okay. what, how I feel. I'll, uh, hmm. Just say you think Munster are going to win. Like, you know you want to. If there was something on the line, I'd go for Toulon and hedge my bets that like, you know, oh, I got this right. (laughs) But there isn't. So I just, uh, yeah, I'll go Munster. Why not? Um, Let's go. I think 
I do think Toulon are a very good team that people are underrated. I was at the Challenge Cup final last year and aside from laughing at Glasgow, I was very impressed with Toulon. They are a very, very good team. So hopefully we don't see that level. I think without Saran and Olivon as well. They're That's the thing, to like those, those are huge. Those are huge injuries. And I know that Munster are without players as well, but like the that is a sort of caliber of player that losing both of those guys at the same time is huge for a team. Um but That's like, the equivalent they... to losing probably um probably not even Peter Randy, probably Ty Byrne and Jack Crowley in exactly. terms of coming up with big moments and all that. Yeah, and I just think that um Munster are going to win really narrowly. Yeah. I think I do think it'll be like a proper tight like contest game. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I I just ultimately see Munster just about coming out on the right side of that. Okay. So we're both saying Munster's just about come out of the pool. Round 16, then we're going to go over to Bath and we're going to beat Bath in the wreck. And it's going to be the... I'm not going to laugh because I love Johan as a person, but I it's would going to like be this it, ironic thing. I would like it to be um to lose that we go and beat because one, I feel in my heart very strongly that we owe to lose one. <laughs> There's been too many close calls against to lose, like the next one is Munsters. And two, to lose was my favourite place I went to in France and I would like to go back there very, very much. So, to lose, please. I mean... I'd happily go to Toulouse in the first week of April. Gladly. Why yeah. Not? Let's go and beat and Toulouse. And now and that we've Toulon. decided <laughs> now that we've decided the rest of Monster season. <laughs> Who are we signing? That's the question. Um, <laughs> that's that's a question no one knows the answer to. And even if I did, I wouldn't say it publicly because I got so badly scared by saying we're signing Thomas DeToy last year and obviously that backfired you meant to play for bad. Anyways. It was your fault. You it was that. entirely my fault. Like I got as soon as I opened my mouth, I got a text saying he's gone to bath. To facts, like I swear to God, <laughs> that's all we've time for. We might be back next week, dependent. You know, our minutes might be managed. The RFU might step in. Yeah, this is what happens. It's January. The Six Nations coming up. This might happen. But thanks to everyone for tuning in. The first podcast, twenty twenty four, and hopefully, 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 we start with a win again. If for you want to. For Munster, yes. Not <laughs> not for us, not on a personal level. Who cares about that? Just let Munster win. The majority will be happy then. Um, as always, make sure to subscribe, tell a friend, leave a review, follow us on Twitter or X or whatever you call it at the Red Army Podcast. Because with it could be a big week, you know, if we're right. We'll be right at one at some stage, and we will have a big week at some stage. Um, and of course, heading into a busy part of the season where we've got the Crusaders, we've got the end of the season which is now so important in the URC so to make sure to stay with us every step of the way and tell your monster supporting friends who like a bit of woe and a bit of positivity at the same time so my thanks to Patricia for coming back on after your I don't know an unspecified injury that we all had because we <laughs> all had an injury over Christmas I was just tired yeah yeah same I had the flu anyways that's all folks thanks very much for, Jay, for joining us until next week Viva la monster. Take it easy.